0: the moonlight and you, wouldn't that be heaven, a heaven just for two, a soft breeze on a June night and you, what a perfect setting for letting dreams come true, a chance to sail away to sweetheart Bay. Nobody could have put it better than the redoubtable Mr. Toad in that great children's story, The Wind in the Willows. And I quote, There's none so much fun as messing around in boats. He was so right. I've had a lifelong love of messing around in boats. However, When I had the choice of either joining the Army or the Navy, I chose the Army. I'm not so much into big boats. My love of boating is partially tied to its ability to relax me. And while I'm not averse to power boats, I'm more at peace on a small sailboat, rowboat, canoe, kayak. Quiet waters are my thing. The primary reason I tell people why I live in Evanston, Illinois, is that I'm about eight blocks from Lake Michigan. And for almost 50 years, I've spent much of time as I can in the summer, not so much right now because of the blueberry business I'm in, but I've spent a lot of time out on the lakefront sailing a 14-foot day sailor called an O'Day Javelin. Basically, it's a small boat built in 1974. As a matter of fact, I believe I have the longest running continuous sailing permit in the city of Evanston. I have no idea where my love of sailing came from. I grew up landlocked on the northwest side of Chicago. One theory is that it comes from my bohemian forebears. Story has it that my grandpa Yosef, I never actually really got to know him disappeared one day on the boat coming over to America from Bohemia. After a desperate search, they found him riding the bowsprite, would you believe, at the age of three. Later on, when he was a young man, family lore says that he was in San Francisco playing in a poker game, and somebody slipped him a Mickey fin, and he woke up on a whaling ship headed for Alaska. Whether these stories are true or not, they certainly contribute to the theory that being on the water may have a genetic basis in my family. Over the decades, I've had a lot of different little boats. I think the first was on a small lake in Winter Haven, Florida with my son Mikey. We were out on the lake near my dad's house when a storm came up and I raced to get the boat to shore. My son slept through all the thunder and lightning. That story would repeat itself years later, and we'll talk about it later here as well. My Swedish neighbor, the late Cliff Moen, was the guy who really got me serious about sailing. After a Lake Michigan evening with he and his wife, Betsy, on their 26-foot Ericsson, a nice big cruiser, moored in Chicago's Monroe Street Harbor, I was hooked. I signed up for sailing lessons, right near that uh, harbor in downtown Chicago and spent two weeks on the boat, a beautiful Rhodes 19-day sailor, talking about sailing because there was no wind the whole time. As they say, we spent a lot of time in irons. Cliff Moen decided not long after to sell his Ericsson and buy that 14-foot O'Day, which did not cut it for a guy who'd had a big cruiser. I bought it from him, and have had the boat since. It has been berthed in a garage, and when the winds and the weather and the availability of friends all line up, we head for the boat ramp. One of the first things I added to the javelin was a motor. Sailing this day sailor is by necessity a social act. I can barely raise the mast on my own, but at my advanced age I've decided two is better than one trying to do it. Also, it's just more fun to have a friend or two with you, and it's good for safety reasons as well. In the early years, I was a little less aware and focused than I am now, so I literally broke two 15-foot aluminum masts, one time forgetting about the trees near the dock, and another time when one of my side stays slipped in the strong breeze. These days I'm pretty careful about such things. Sailing is nothing like power boating. When you're out whizzing about at seven miles an hour on a sailboat, there's no motor and the sound of the boat cutting through the water actually is quite amazing. You only hear the wind in the water and the motion of the waves acts as a gentle massage. When I'm with friends I'm glad to turn the tiller over to them because just being there is my high. While sailing engaged me as a young adult, my first real love of boating came through canoeing as a preteen when I was in Boy Scout summer camps. I remember our camp had a big old wooden Voyager canoe that held maybe 10 or so older guys, but my first encounter, was on a small 15-foot Grumman canoe. You may or may not remember the name Grumman. It has long been associated with making airplanes in World War II. Well, that company also made aluminum canoes, which could take a kind of a beating that a pre-teen novice like me could administer. These standard-issue canoes were rugged and you could hammer out the dents when need be, no fancy fiberglass. Their major downfall was that on a hot day they turned into roasting pans. Nevertheless, it was an adventure to load them and strike out for a day or two camping trip, when you could seemingly, where you could seemingly get away from camp and literally be out there. Maybe that's why I stayed in scouting until I was 50, to be out there. As a family man in my 30s with kids, three kids, We joined another family with four kids and struck out one summer for the Boundary Waters Canoe Area, a federally protected park near the Canadian border up by Minnesota. It was a great week in a sparsely populated area where you could paddle and portage between endless lakes and virtually by yourself, if you didn't mind the bears and the mosquitoes for company. One of the enduring memories is captured not just in a photo of the five of us in a canoe, but our three-year-old sitting on an outside latrine. Of course, he loves that photo, right? Not. When we built our cabin in Michigan, we continued to use our canoe to explore places like the Kalamazoo and Black Rivers, as well as all the lakes that abound in that area. I took my son, Mike, one summer canoeing on the Pierre Marquette River in central Michigan. It was a kind of shallow year, but we had fun just the same. To this day, we still have a canoe and look for opportunities. In the 90s, we bought some land on a small 50-acre private lake near the cabin. The lake was connected by a small stream to an even smaller lake that was completely uninhabited. And for the decade or so that we owned the property, we would often paddle between the lakes, encountering wildlife Uh, quite a bit on that smaller lake. A favorite memory of mine of those times was taking our athletic German Shorthair Pointer Sly with us. I don't think I've written much about Sly in previous podcasts. Our son bought him for us after the family lost his dog Louis to cancer. I can say without reservation Sly, who passed at the age of 14 in 2018, was one of the greatest dogs I've ever encountered. He was 83 pounds, well oversized for his breed, and statuesque. I'm not exaggerating at all in saying that Sly was a looker. Over his lifetime, I'm guessing, a thousand people came up to me and said he was the most beautiful dog they'd ever seen. It meant nothing to him. In my heart, I knew I should have gotten him somehow on the cover of Field and Stream, although I never trained him to hunt. And Sly, of course, loved boats. It was not easy to have him in a canoe, especially because he liked to look left and then look right to see things. But if we made the mistake of leaving him on shore, he would simply jump in the water and trail the boat, barking and moaning, and there was no way to shake him or outrun him. He would follow us across the whole lake, complaining about being left behind. As much as I love canoeing, the rest of the world seems to have moved on. Canoeing was almost always about two people in a boat. The popular fad now is kayaking about one person in a boat, and it kind of seems perfect for the perfect vessel for today's me world. My first introduction to kayaking was in the Orca Islands in northwest Washington back in the 80s. Back then we did have sea kayaks with two, which were two-person boats and it was exciting to watch the orca whale swimming alongside. Great memory. The animal encounter experience was duplicated last spring on the annual trek, to longboat key north of Sarasota. There we rented individual kayaks and spent a really fun time paddling around with large manatee sea cows that inhabit that area. But as I look back, My most memorable boating adventure was back in the 90s with my old-time buddy, Kip Duran. He had been my cameraman for for 20 years and had moved to uh, uh, Marathon Key in the Florida Keys. He decided to retire there, and he bought a terrific sailboat, a Chinese-made Choi Lee, 42-footer, built in Hong Kong. It's considered a Rolls Royce in the sailing world. My son and I joined him in Marathon Key and our plan was to sail up to Longboat where our timeshare was. We hugged the coast up to Naples. The engine was burning too much oil and Kip had had too much to drink so Mike and I took the dinghy into town and luckily when we beached the boat We uh, ran into a a couple, older couple, who were kind enough to take us to Walmart for the oil. And by the time we'd gotten back to the boat, some wave action or whatever, uh, pans of sausages and peppers were laying all over the floor. Kip was passed out. Son Michael was green with seasickness in his bunk, like back in the remember on when he slept through the little red sailboat incident years before finally, we roused Kip, who poured the oil in the engine, turned the boat over to me to sail. I wasn't quite ready for that. The winds were steady now from the south, so we were on a comfortable run to the north. And it was only going to be me at the helm. Having read stories about sailors being blown overboard, I was sure to strap myself firmly to the rail as Kip set the auto helm to steer. He then disappeared back into the boat below and there I was. I turned the radio on to keep me awake and I was piloting that boat through the night. It seemed all I did that night other than pray was count the endless lobster traps we passed heading north. In the morning when we arrived near Longboat the winds were really howling. Mike and I had jumped into the dinghy, filled with garbage bags, and headed towards shore as Kip took the boat and headed south to try and come in in Venice. Mike and I jumped in the water to drag the dinghy to shore and we encountered an attractive elderly woman dressed in fashionable white two-piece suit from the 30s who gave us the dirtiest looks I've ever seen. Of course, we looked like we had jumped ship from the African Queen. This memorable experience is one I carry with me every time I go sailing to this day. But this spring, when I return to Florida, I'm going to take a sailing course on how to handle bigger boats up to 25 feet. Those days of dreaming about a bareboat boat charter in the Caribbean are a thing of the past, though. I would someday like to sail around Chesapeake Bay. That's America's true sailing paradise for me. I'd like to sail it in a boat I can sleep in. Years back, my friend Kip lived there, and on one evening in the summer, he took me out crossing our bow at one point about 100 yards ahead was an old wooden boat, beautiful sailboat loaded with young cadets from the Naval Academy nearby. They were having so much fun. Well, maybe I should have joined the Navy. In the next podcast, I'll talk about some more experiences messing around in boats. That's it for now. Hey, if you like this podcast, tell your friends. This is Mel Zellman. Thank you for listening, and catch us next time.